Welcome to Connected, a podcast with Jess. That's me. Connections are the secret to a whole life. Recognizing the connections between us and within us, mind, body, and soul, reveals the fullest potential of our humanity. Join me as I discover what connects us to each other and to ourselves. Your mind, body, and soul were not meant to live disconnected from each other. Putting all the beautiful parts of you into one breathtakingly whole experience is what you deserve. As a life coach, I work to support your story. Together, we can set free the story of you. I bring guests onto my show so that you can hear powerful stories of other women all across the world. I want you to see how profoundly important living and telling stories is. You can find out more about working with me on my website at jessicatravis.com. I hope to hear from you soon. Okay, so today on the Connected Podcast, I have a special guest that kind of came into um, my acquaintance in a um, a special but unusual way. So um, today I have Lena with us, and she is somebody who's been listening to the Connected Podcast, Um, um, all the different stories that have been in... um, in these episodes over the last um, little over a year now and um and just instagram messaged me about one of the stories the one about my daughter and um you know the story that she shared and uh so we just started chatting and i realized uh she has a beautiful story so we're going to chat today so welcome lena thank you for having me i feel very blessed and grateful to be here yeah. So, well, I feel very grateful that uh, that you've spent time listening to the podcast and listening to these stories. I know they mean the world to me that women share um, these moments of their life, um, and I don't. I always consider it a privilege to have that space with them. Um, so, I I get really excited when other people find value in listening to their um, stories. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I stumbled upon your podcast one day when I was really craving to actually listen to women's stories. Oh. That And that is how I um, stumbled upon it because I primarily work with a lot of women. And so I was wanting to dive into a podcast that was like sharing different women's stories. And it was like, there it was. I started oh, listening that- to it like over a year ago. <laughs> That just uh, does my heart so good because um, I remember a conversation I had. She was actually one of my guests. Her name was Danielle, and we were brainstorming um, through um, when I got 
uh, everything got shut down here for COVID. And I said, I just keep coming across these stories of people like in my running groups and different places that I've been. And it, um, I keep crossing paths with stories and they're not famous people. They're just people like me. And I knew that my own story was had been powerful for other people to listen to. And so I thought, well, then other people need to tell theirs too. I'm, I'm struck. I'm mm-hmm. um, empowered. I'm inspired by listening to the stories of people around me. So I wanted to um, provide a space where the not so famous or the stories that maybe um, just need a little push to get out into the public um, can happen. So that just makes me feel wonderful that, um, that that satisfied something your soul was looking for. Yeah, and I think it's, we all have a story to share. Like every single human has a story to share. And I think the more we share these stories and listen to other people's stories, the more we can heal on a global level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and it, it really does connect us in a way that says we are, um, we're not the only one who feels these things. We're not the only one who asks these questions. Mm-hmm. We're not the only one who um, hurts mm-hmm. um, or has immense joy over the same things. Like it's just, I don't know. I just think it, especially when every the whole world gets shut down for a period of time, it can be a very lonely space. So um, connecting with people all over the world is, I don't know, it's exciting. Mm-hmm. And that we are all interconnected. Every yeah. one of us. And like every story I listened to that you shared on your podcast, I could connect with it on some level. Mm. And like, if we think about that in a broader sense, we could probably connect to every single human story on some level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And that totally is so agree. beautiful and amazing. Well, I know we're just going to have an exciting conversation today because I know some highlights of your story from the information that you sent me and the, the little bit of messaging that we did back and forth. Um, and in our paths have uh, spaces in which they cross where we we can identify with each other um, a little bit. So we'll get we'll get into that too, just um, uh, in, in some of those similar areas. But as you know, because you've listened to these podcasts, I always start with a question. And um, as much as I love reading the bios that um, my guests send me about the things that they do and um, the things that are um, that stand out to them about themselves, um, I still want my guests to introduce themselves the way they want to be introduced. And so, um, Lena, I want to know, who are you? <laughs> you knew this was coming yeah and it's so interesting um because to me that is like one of the a question that we can continually ask ourselves over and over and over and over again for our entire life and that will continually evolve and shift and shape and transform over and over again Mm -hmm. so who who am I so for me, at the essence, I am love and light, and I'm not even this body. I'm a soul in this life. But on a physical level, I am, I am a woman. And I think my main purpose here on this earth at this time 
is to really help people feel empowered and to trust their heart and their intuition and to know that no matter what happens in their life, they have the ability to heal and grow and move forward from it no matter and no matter what, that we are all whole and complete exactly as we are in all mm. moments. Oh, you're speaking my language. Yeah. Yeah. That That isn't a place that you just wake up one day and go, oh, that's how I feel about things. <laughs> right? No. That, that took life to get you to that space to say that about yourself, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um. So, you know, we, you and I were talking earlier that, um, you know, sometimes we, um, we have these different chapters in our life where things are very pivotal, pivotal moments that cause us to move or transist or um, transform who we are or what we're doing or how we're interacting with the world. And it can be difficult to say, okay, well, this is my story, or this is my story, or this is my story. And um, so, so when, when I walk with my clients or my guests through their story, sometimes um, we just find that through line, that, um, that thing that caused us to journey and, and move from one of those chapters into the next chapter. Yeah. Right. Um, so for you, where is a point in your story that you feel like kind of be- begins that through line that brings you to this place where you can say what you just did about who you are? I think that was the first day I tried yoga and meditation. I was 16 years old and it was on an old Rodney Yee video. And if anyone that is listening to this is in the yoga world, they have probably watched one of these videos. <laughs> so they're probably smiling right now. And I would say that was one of the most pivotal parts points in my life as that opened up this complete new way of being and experiencing myself and the world around me. And it really gave me tools to navigate this wilderness that is my life. What about that? You said it was a new way to navigate. Mm-hmm. What, sh- what exactly was that? Was it a, kind of like an embodiment experience or was it space, time, slow, fast? Like what? I was, was having a lot of chronic pain for a few years when I was in high school. And I went to a bunch of different specialists. No one could figure out why, why I was having so much pain. A lot of the sports that I was currently doing ceased. So I couldn't even do a lot of Mm. the things that I loved that felt like who I was. Right. And um, so I decided to try out yoga and I was in a very small rural community. So there were no like live classes. You couldn't go to a yoga studio. So I found this DVD and I tried it out to see if maybe this could help with pain and also mm. help with the, my mind because of so much pain. I felt like there was a lot of um, 
unfocus and a lack of clarity in my thoughts. Mm. And also being a teenager too, like, like things are continually changing. And so that really helped me and gave me tools. And actually I was diagnosed with spina bifida, not short after. And one of the specialists said that yoga would be super helpful for me as I grow and as I age with this disorder, with this birth defect. So I have kept up my yoga practice since I was 16. And I know for a fact that it's helped me heal through so many things in my life and um, so many illnesses and injuries and um, different challenges that I have experienced. So it has been one of those main tools that I have been navigating my life with, navigating this wilderness that is so unknown. Yoga absolutely intimidates me, I'll be honest. Um, and in, in some part, so does meditation. And meditation, because my head is incredibly busy, my brain doesn't shut up. And so meditation is one of those things that I have learned to allow the noise of my brain in the, in the midst of meditation. Um, but yoga for me has always been in a community setting and I feel incredibly like awkward with it. And, um, and so I, I don't feel like I've ever really embraced the benefit of it. Although my physical therapist who was probably my first podcast guest, Trisha, um, would, uh, would swear by it and says I need to be there doing it. But, um, but was that ever like something that you had to work through? Is it something that if people haven't been doing yoga, that they can find them their, themselves coming to the other side of this? I mean, yoga instructors can do things I didn't know were possible. <laughs> so yeah, you know what I'm saying? Um, and I would say my yoga journey has also transformed very much as well. When I first came to it, I, it was very like specific and clear. I wanted to find a little bit of clarity in my thoughts and my mind and a little bit less pain that has, um, definitely shifted and transformed. And I would say that yoga is for every body, every single Mm. human can do it, but maybe the type of yoga that is meant for you might be different than the type of yoga that's meant for me. Gotcha. And like the most important posture is like seated or shavasana, right? So meditation or shavasana and all other asanas were derived or developed in order to um, calm the fluctuations in our mind. So yoga chitta vritti nirodaha is the second sutra, which is meaning how can we calm the fluctuations in the mind? How can we calm our crazy monkey mind? For me, that's a daily practice. It's not something that I just like, all of a sudden I'm like, oh yeah, my mind is always calm and clear. (laughs) I have to practice it every day. And I actually meditate usually three to four times a day. And it was after I had my brain injury, I'm just going to skip forward a little bit. Yeah. I couldn't meditate. I couldn't even meditate. I couldn't do yoga. I couldn't walk. I couldn't do anything. So holy, was it like hitting this brick wall and that thought of who am I? Who am I? I felt like I am nobody. I am Mm. not even alive. I'm half alive. I am not a contributing member to society. I have no purpose. I have 
Like I have nothing to offer anyone and I cannot help anyone. And I felt like I couldn't even help myself because I couldn't even do the things that I had learned, all the tools in my tool belt, none of them worked. Hmm. So I had to relook at this and then sitting by the river and just listening to the river became my meditation because I couldn't close my eyes and bring my thoughts into my, into my body or my mind. And I would just watch the river in quiet. Or sometimes I would just lay flat on my floor and just be. So for me, meditation isn't about controlling my mind or attaining anything. It is actually a moment to just be present with whatever is. And what I said at the beginning, like fully accepting myself as I am in all moments, right? That I'm whole and complete, even regardless of if I've had a brain injury or any kind of injury, or I'm, I feel like there's a part of me that is missing. Right. And so my meditation practice keeps bringing me back to that place and just allowing whatever is to be this um, concept of acting and being. So acting is very masculine, right? We're acting, we're doing, we're doing the things, right? Even thinking of doing yoga or, or doing meditation, but gotcha. being is the feminine essence, right? How can I just sit and be? in throughout my day for little moments and really tap into that energy and for me that is about balance and harmony how can I move through my day with a little more balance and a little more harmony and if I'm feeling like my mind is going a thousand minutes in every different direction and I'm maybe feeling a little bit anxious or ungrounded or unsettled I will take time in nature or on my floor or wherever it is just to be and to breathe and to listen. Mm. That sounds like something I can connect with. You know, um, especially as a, probably a, mm, I probably, now that the way you worded this, I probably tap into more of that masculine side than I do the feminine side. And um, if I'm really honest, sometimes I think that feminine side it feels a little bit uh unproductive or you know it depends on what I'm working on depending depends on where life is sitting um but I do do remember after my brain surgery feeling that same thing like I can only take like one sound in right now and and being able to be really present with that one sound um from for me the first trip out of the house after brain surgery was um like I got back in the car and I was shaking it was just it was too much like my brain actually couldn't pull in all the information all the sensory things that were happening and I learned very quickly that this had to be a far more gradual process just because maybe my body felt like it could do this thing didn't mean my brain was actually able to to absorb everything that was happening and that that was probably the first point for me of of um seeing meditation the way that you just described it of just sitting and taking in one thing 
or allowing one thing like laying down or uh, and being just so incredibly present with that one thing that is not something my being was used to <laughs> it was so out of my identity out of my um, scope of understanding of myself um, but it was it was the thing I had to do it was the only thing that I could do at that time yeah so I'm going to jump back because this gets intriguing when you just say a brain injury. <laughs> so um, if it's not jumping your storyline too much, is that an appropriate thing for us to go back to, to understand what that is for you? What happened? Yes, totally. Yeah. Um, I was in a series of three different car accidents over a very like short period of time. And this is um, where my yoga practice shifted a lot too. So it's, it's interesting in that sense. Um, the first two weren't as severe, although I was hospitalized for both of them just to like check in to make sure nothing was broken. And I did lose a little bit of work and my cars were totaled. Um, but the third one was, I would explain it as a near death experience. Mm. Um, I actually like, I remember leaving my body and like my entire life flashing before my eyes. Mm. I was hit head on driving on my Gold River Road, heading to a friend's wedding. And um, the man fell asleep at the wheel. So he hit me head on. My car flipped multiple times. And I remember that split second of like, all of a sudden I saw him turn and it was such a split second. It was like, do I turn to try and miss him and possibly end up in a lake? Cause there was a lake on one side. Okay. Or do I just surrender? To this because it's going to happen no matter what and probably end up somewhere on the cliff or something and so i i end up up on the cliff which i'm so grateful now because i was unconscious and i probably would have died if i went in the water wow so i when i woke up there was a strange woman in my vehicle <laughs> this is like the weirdest part and her dog was licking the blood off of my body. <laughs> wow. And I was so like looking, feeling like I am in a dream. This is not real. Who is this human? Who is this dog? Where am I? Yeah. And I won't get too much in into that piece. Eventually, um, the ambulance came and I was removed and and brought to the hospital, which was uh, one of the reasons why I connected with your daughter it was such a traumatic experience mm -hmm. being at the hospital. I was like not treated very well. Is it? I ended up being put into a supply room. Thank God my friends heard about it and drove down. My parents were out fishing, so they didn't hear about it till much later. Mm -hmm. And they were there with me because I was passed back and forth from doctor to doctor. Most people forgot, like I had to pee for like four hours. No one would let me move or pee. <laughs> Finally, when the doctor came wow. to stitch me up after I think it was like eight or nine hours, I had a fully open scalp. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. Um, and he was cutting like chunks of my scalp off and then throwing them on my own body. 
Oh, gosh. (laughs) How traumatic. And I'm like, my girlfriend like kept pulling them and putting them in the garbage. Like, I think they were just super busy, but it was just, it felt like this surreal experience. And I still was covered in glass. I had glass stuck in every part of my body. I was still covered in blood like everything. Finally, they stapled and stitched my head up. They did, they did check me. So I hadn't broken anything that they saw. Right. So okay, that was good. And then I think it was like midnight or almost one in the morning when they were, when they decided to release me with my girlfriend. Release you after an accident like that. Oh, I know. And they told my friends, don't let her fall asleep for more than three hours. Cause she might not wake up. <laughs> and they're going to send you home that way. <laughs> no pressure for your friends. Holy cow. So they didn't give me a, finally, my friend found me a wheelchair because they expected me to walk out of the hospital, but I couldn't even walk. And then we, we couldn't drive to Gold River. So we just went to my auntie's because she was close and they bathed me because I was still covered in glass wow. and blood for over an hour. And they picked out, I, I will never um, forget that they picked out all of the glass in my body and like cleaned me. I even, the hospital left the ID in. Um, so they had to call and then they had to remove it. Like it was just, then they forgot to give me medication too. It was, it was like, yeah, it was a little (laughs) bit of a nightmare. Wow. And then I went to sleep and then they would just check on me to make sure that I wasn't sleeping for too long that I wouldn't like, mm-hmm, yeah. yeah, become unconscious again. Yeah. And then I eventually went home and most of it is quite a blur. Like I don't really remember the first few months, much of it. I think I spent a lot of the time laying on the floor. My mom mm-hmm. said I swept a lot because it was like one thing I could do. And I moved cushions around my house. I would, I would move cushions around and then my parents would eventually take me and bring me to the river where I would watch the river. So I have a very deep connection with that particular spot. Mm. I would just sit there, sometimes cry, sometimes nothing. Yeah. And then eventually, sorry, were you going to, I was going to ask you, did they give you any kind of you know, like you had, you know, a concussion or did they, did they tell you you had any particular injury regarding your brain? Do you, did you just go home experiencing these things, not having any reference that they would be there? Yeah. The hospital said nothing. Mm. Yeah. They just told me like for the first few nights, not to sleep more than a few hours. Oh, mm. And that was all they told my friends. So it was um, definitely an interesting experience moving through that, especially like when people look at you and you don't have a lot of injuries and they look at you and they think, oh, you should be fine. Why aren't you working? Why aren't you doing this? What's wrong with you? Yeah. Right? Those, yeah. Yeah. those constant questions, especially in a small community, right? And then half the time I didn't even have the capacity to answer them. Like I remember going to the doctor when I actually was able to go to the doctor because for the first month 
or so I couldn't even walk. I would throw up. So even like trying to get outside of my house and like walk down the road, I would just throw up. It was like too much movement and I would be so sick. So when I was eventually able to like get dropped off and walk into the doctor's office, I remember him trying to tell me to pick up a quarter and he would say, pick it up with your right hand. And I, I remember thinking, okay, I'm, I'm going to get this right. I'm going I'm I'm to get this right. And I would pick this up, this quarter up, and it was with my left hand. Yeah, so I would look at this quarter and think about it for a substantial amount of time. And then I would pick it up and I would get it wrong every time. I would pick it up with my left hand. And I would think, I, I'm like, did I get it right this time? Because he would do the same thing every time I would go visit him. And he would look at me and be like, not yet. And he never said no. And I love that word, not yet. yet. Not yeah. yet. Like there's so much opportunity and possibility in not yet. And when you're mm. healing or going through any struggle or challenge, to hear like, not yet, it, it's like, okay, but I can, I can get there. I can get there. Yeah. And I will never forget the day that I went there and I actually picked it up with my right hand. Mm. And it was months later, like three months later, <laughs> but it was like, I was so excited. I was so excited. And that meant that other things were possible for you too. Yeah. You know, that, that you got to that space meant that, that there is forward. Trying to drive again. stuck here. Oh. The first time. Was I... that a traumatic experience for you to be in a car again? Yes. But living in a small rural community, you have to drive out of town to like get groceries mm -hmm. or um, get your car fixed, go to the dentist. So it wasn't really an option, really. Um, and my mom came with me, my parents were so mm. sweet. She came with me <laughs> and I'll never, she will never forget this. So the first time we tried, I, um, instead of reversing, I put the vehicle in drive and I was renting my brother's trailer at the time. And I almost drove right through the trailer. <laughs> so <laughs> we stopped. So you, <laughs> your, your brain just had to find its pathways again oh, you had to rewire I had to rewire you everything were... I couldn't even um count change anymore I had to relearn how to count change um I was a grade six seven teacher at the time so I I couldn't work for over a year my parents actually had to move me into their basement because I couldn't take care of myself anymore mm. I wouldn't remember when I would eat or I I couldn't really cook like so I had to move into their basement so they could make sure that I was actually eating. And I was so severely depressed too. I think they were quite worried about me. Um, yeah, but I had to relearn like the entire curriculum. It was like, I was starting from scratch and like relearning how to add and, and do all of these like simple things that I used to be able to do. And I remember playing brain games I did that every single day. So I was so determined to like to heal. 
however long it was going to take. I was so determined to heal. And I think the hardest piece of that journey for me was that I put my old self on this pedestal. So old Lena was on this pedestal. And I loved who old Lena was. She was super active. She was a runner. She was an athlete. She was a teacher. She coached. I did all the things, right? I was so active. I didn't get into being really until after my accident. And that was all I could do was be. And it was so uncomfortable and challenging. And I just continually felt like I was not enough and I was not doing enough. And it was all like this lack mentality. So old Lena was on this pedestal and I kept trying to attain her. What can I do? Which is very active. What can I do to get back to who I was? Right? What do I need to mm-hmm. do? How can I, how can I attain this version of myself? And it wasn't until I actually let that pedestal crumble and really surrender into that being and to really love and accept myself for as I am in this moment with a brain injury, with everything that is going on in my mind and my body. That for me was when I actually started to heal. So how did, how did this healing look in the new Lena? What was birthed from letting that pedestal crumble? Less is more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember writing a list because I was told, I felt like I never did anything in my day. So I was told that writing a list can be helpful, right? And that you can check a few things off so that you know you've done something in your day. Remember my first list, wake up, eat breakfast. I think it was sweep, eat lunch, eat dinner and go to the river. It was like six Mm. things. And then slowly over time, I would add one thing onto my list. Hmm. Where before, if my list didn't have 20 things on it, I felt like that day wasn't even worth it. I didn't get enough accomplished. I didn't do enough. And when I really allowed my old self to die, because I'm never going to be that human, that Lena no longer exists. Mm-hmm. And actually who I was yesterday doesn't even exist. It's who I am right now in the mm-hmm. moment. We're like that. continually growing and evolving and changing. And I'm always gonna change and evolve and grow. So that really helped me to love myself in all moments and to open up into the possibility of this present moment of right now Mm. and to do less. So I'm not so fixated on getting all of the things done, doing all of the things and creating more stress and anxiety in my body. Mm -hmm. I was also diagnosed with panic attacks, anxiety disorder, PTSD, depression. So many things came 
from my brain injury. I also had um, night terrors, so I had insomnia, so I couldn't sleep. So every time I would sleep, I would have dreams of dying, but like mm. vivid dreams. And a lot of them, like people were murdering me. It was really very dark. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so it was like healing all of that. I also lost my period for well over a year, right? Losing that piece of your femininity. I lost all connection into my pelvic floor, the ability to like have an orgasm or feel. So like there were so many layers to my healing and it facing your identity over and over and over again. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And it, it was once I surrendered and I let go of the past of my old self when I was able to focus on what I can actually do okay, I can sit at this river right now. And then in a few months, oh, I can read a sentence of a book. And then I could read a whole page of a book. It took me a whole year and a half, I think, to read one book. And I kept that book. Because mm-hmm. I kept having to read it over and over. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes I could only read one page and it, that was enough. I put it away. Yeah. You're validating so many things that I experienced that I didn't connect to uh, brain trauma Um, and the healing process. And, you know, I know other other guests that I have talked to different various things that they've had to overcome when the body goes through trauma period, there is, uh, so many ramifications of things that feel quirky, don't feel right, feel out of sort, misaligned, like all these different things that we, we try to cope through in the ways that we did before, but that freedom to say that I can let go of that person and become present with this person. So what do these quirks or misalignments or different things actually speak to me? Yeah. What, are, what am I here to learn from this? Um, I actually found I tapped into spaces of myself that I'd never paid attention to. Yeah. And I, I think it was like a, like a gift that I get this this new interaction, this new understanding of myself, um, skill sets that I didn't really know that I had, but afterwards I could sit and embrace those. Mm-hmm. Um, I was running too fast in life and doing too many things that were in that identity packet that I was living in. Mm-hmm. And when you just don't get to do that, uh, reorientation and it's like it's like um, meeting a new friend for the first time, almost like asking all those questions you would of a new friend. Mm-hmm. You know, those who are you and, and what do you like? Um, what makes you smile? You know, what what do you enjoy doing? And asking yourself those things are can be uncomfortable, but they're very adventurous. And it's I found that I learned things about myself that I went, wow, Mm -hmm. 
I didn't know that was there. And maybe it never was. Maybe it's part of the new. But either way, I get this new experience with myself. What what changed for you? You, you mentioned being a teacher. And um, were you able to go back to that job? Or did that part of your life have to change too? It it did change, but I was, um, I'm very grateful that there was a wellness, um, person that was connected to my school district. Wow. She was so helpful to fill. Cause I had so many forms and things to fill up that I couldn't even read and understand. So, so grateful, like in the process, I saw 23 different specialists and I'm so grateful for all of them because I know they all helped at, on some level, mm-hmm. but it was definitely, um, my own, my own practices that helped the most. When I went back into the school system, it was on a gradual return, which I was also very grateful for. And I I recommend that to anyone that is recovering from a traumatic brain injury or any kind of trauma that really like turned your world upside down um, to take things slower and little bite-sized pieces, right? We can't ingest an entire meal in one bite. We can't heal from anything in one bite. Mm-hmm. And healing is actually a lifelong journey. And for me, that is like so. Yeah. Feels like there's so much space and freedom in that, and opportunity to take my time. Because I'm always evolving and growing and healing, right? until I'm no longer in this life. Trading the expectation of doing to the expectation of healing. Mm -hmm. So my purpose here is to heal myself as as a daily practice rather than accomplish this, this, and this. Yeah. It's such a mindset change. A massive shift and that did not that did not happen for me in the first like year and a half of my healing journey oh no because you're fighting to get back like you said to get back to what you knew was who you were what was possible for you yeah um all those old things that that wasn't the <laughs> just wasn't I so get that I so get it when you say that because it's just not on the radar to say my goal is to heal we might say it but what we do is we chase the do right my goal was to get back to teaching full-time because I spent Mm. like sixty thousand dollars in seven how many years in university because I was so passionate about becoming a teacher like it's why I got I'll show you my tattoo it's why I got this tattoo on my arm from Gandhi be the change you want to see in the world I got that tattoo while I was becoming a teacher because I really felt like I could make a difference in the world teaching children. And it's so interesting because even the meaning of that tattoo changed through my brain. Mm. Mm. Be the change you want to see in the world. So it's all about me. I cannot Mm. change anyone. I need to make the changes within. I need to love myself. I need to accept myself. I need to share that with others. And through seeing that, maybe others can love and accept themselves as they are. Mm-hmm. 
I had this uh, interaction uh, with a friend of ours um, who is a who is a therapist, and uh, he said that. And I'd heard this most of my life growing up that the greatest thing that you could do for your children, um, as a as a married couple, was to love each other. It was the greatest gift you could give your children. And I just so after all of this that I had been through, I just it it rose up in me as a ah no, <laughs> that's not it. And if I could go back and do it over, the greatest thing I could do for my children was to love myself. Um, and everything else gets to come along with that as a, as a fruit of a full cup of, you know, <laughs> my bucket is full. So I have a lot more to give and a lot more space to hold. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was, that's a, that was a mindset shift for me too, was this uh, embracing, uh, part of my healing was embracing um, putting myself first loving myself first. Yeah. That's not easy to do. No, it's not. And for me, I think, and I still do this practice. It'll be seven years this summer since my accident. And I still do this Mm -hmm. practice every single morning. Place my left hand on my heart, my right hand on my belly. And I take a few breaths every morning before I even get out of bed. And I just say a few things that I'm grateful for whatever comes to mind. And I invite in love for myself. So I really realized that I thought I loved Pedestalina, but I didn't truly love her. She was just so busy doing all of the things that I never even gave myself time and space to fully love myself. So loving yourself, what does that look like today? Is that dreaming? Is it building something? Is it, um, you know, and I don't mean in the do things, but is it, is it allowing those uh, things within you to, to rise up and create? And I know for me, creation and creativity were yeah. definitely a byproduct of, of healing myself and loving myself. There was expansive... Um, uh, spaces I, or I needed spaces to create where when I was busy, I could do a lot of things, but the creative process wasn't there. The, um, mm-hmm. yeah, just what can I birth into the world? Yes. What can I birth outside of myself? A, a, a thing that came from me. Yes. Yeah. I, I completely resonate with that. I think and for me, creating creating um, is very feminine as well. So when I'm tapped into that energy, I can journal and write and create and do all of the things. And for me, self-love is listening, right? It's a deep listening to mm. myself. My daily practice changes daily because I'm not there to attain something. I'm there to be and listen. Do I need to lay in constructive rest for five minutes and breathe today? Do I need my legs up the wall? Do I need a more um, intense practice to really like get rid of some anger or Mm. pent up energy in my body? So I take that time in my morning 
connect with myself, fill my cup up, listen to what my body actually needs. What is it telling me? It's always speaking to us. But often we are so busy with what's going on around us, outside of ourselves, that we're not even able to connect with what we need. And I find that as well for women. I don't even know if I really listened before my accident or if I even connected with what I need because I was so focused on doing all of the things for others and giving so much to others. But giving is also masculine energy and receiving is feminine. And I found it so hard to ask for help and so hard to receive from others. Mm. When I was going through this really challenging time when I couldn't do things on my own. So that was really powerful for me to be able to ask for help and to actually receive it. Not just say out loud, I could really use some help right now. Yeah. But to reach out for it and to accept it back. Yeah. That's, it's, that's a hard thing to do. Yeah. And then to, in my morning practices, to actually connect with what I need and to receive it. Mm. And then now I try to bring that into my relationships, right? How can I receive receive openly from the people that I love and care about without feeling the need to do something or give them something in return. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then also be able to say, but I need this right now. Yeah. Um, and be okay with that without apology. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. If I need, I need some space. Like I had to be really mm-hmm. clear because everything was so sensitive. I couldn't lights. I couldn't have lights. Um, sound. Oh my God. Teaching was a nightmare because, um, my divided attention was like my short-term memory, all like all the neurologists, they showed me how low I was in certain areas of my brain. So when I was in the classroom with so many kids, it was so challenging. And I had to, I had to let the kids know, like, this is where I'm at. So you may need to repeat things. I had sticky notes all over my classroom to remember words because I also like became kind of dyslexic and I would write letters backwards mm. or spell words wrong. So the kids actually would um, make it a game. I made it a game so they would correct me and get little points. <laughs> <laughs> so it was fun and playful. And yeah. Oh, but they were paying attention too. <laughs> yeah. And then I had, I would have to let them know what I need. You may want more lights on, but I actually can't teach with more lights on. And it was so interesting too, because the majority of the kids preferred that. And I would bring in meditation before we had tests and they started to love that too. Mm. Some like dark light, a little bit of grounding, a little bit of meditation. And they really love that. So it was really interesting. All of the tools that started helping me, I was able to bring in to the classroom and it help so many kids and I think you spoke a little bit about this as well I worked with so many um, kids that were autistic or OCD or had anxiety or panic attacks all sorts of different things I read all about it in all sorts of books we were taught about it becoming a teacher Mm -hmm. right how to deal with right I did not 
understand until I lived through it. And wow, did that really shift my perspective of remembering the first time coming back into a classroom. And I was even in, in a classroom that I had been in before. Teacher, she was one of my best friends and she was there. And I just read a story. It was like 30 minutes. And I remember having a full-blown panic attack. I couldn't see. I was sweating profusely. And I had to go in the hall and throw up. Mm. Just from that. And I'm like, that's how some children are. That's how some people are. Just being around other people or having to read in front of people. Yeah. So it really, it really shifted and changed how I actually did everything in my life, mm-hmm. how I spoke to people, how I listened to people, um, how I taught, how I gave tests, how I marked, how I communicate, like it shifted yeah. everything. I had um, a friend of mine who I kind of touched base with during um, the time that we here in America cut, shut down for COVID and a lot of the schools here went to every variation of a, of a lockdown of some kind of um, some type of closure and um, you know she has multiple kids like f- I think at least five and um, I think she has more than that um, but uh, a couple of them are on the spectrum and one of them I've known since she was very little. And I asked, I asked her how she was doing through COVID shutdown and not being in school. And she said, you know, for her, this has been a time to shine academically because she doesn't have all of the social management um, happening. Where before at school, she had a hard time with grades, C's and D's, um, because she was managing all of the other things that were happening around her that had nothing to do really with her academics specifically. So she goes to this shutdown, you know, basically school at home, and she starts getting A's and B's. So she was able to take those things, uh, you know, away for a period of time and, and do something different. And you know, her mom was like, I know that this can't last forever. The social is part of her education, you know, but at the same time, just seeing this drastic difference that for some people, especially when it's not visible, it's not a, you know, a a broken arm in a cast, or it's not these things that we just see when we walk by somebody, um, that there is a real lack of understanding of how we all need to interact in this world. I remember when I first lost my eyesight, it was very rapid. And when you lose eyesight in one eye, you lose your depth perception, which means I am tripping all the time. I'm not seeing steps where they, you know, in the way that you do with both your eyes functioning. And then all of a sudden the world gets really fast when you have to calculate Mm -hmm. what's happening in front of you and where you're taking your next step. And is it as high or as low as I think it is? Is it where I think it's at? Um, and you're spending a lot of energy managing 
that, then the world around you gets super fast. Why is everybody moving that fast? Why is everything so loud? Mm-hmm. Why is everything, you know, whatever it might be? It, it, it was, I have such a different perspective of being in public um, around other people um, wondering, is there something going on that I don't see? You know, can I be more gracious in my interaction with other humans, not knowing those injuries that don't show, right? I think one of the things I continually think of in all aspects is we are all doing the best we can with what we have. Mm -hmm. So every human is doing the best they can with what they have. And what they have may be different than what I have. Mm-hmm. And for me, there is acceptance in that and non-judgment. Mm-hmm. And that no matter what someone is doing and whether we think it is right or wrong, that for them, that's the best that they're doing. Mm-hmm. And that is okay. Yeah, because... It's about shifting the focus of being rather than doing. Yeah. And when we start to change that expectation on ourselves, we we do that to other people too. We change the expectation on them, yeah. um, which is quite freeing in and of itself too. <laughs> yeah, um, totally. So uh, I checked out your website and um, you've got a lot of things going on there. <laughs> so tell me about the things that you're doing. And I'm... And I'm gauging if I'm putting all this together correctly, that this is, is a direct response out of all of this mm-hmm. um, life and living with pain and moving through managing um, pain and how you can live um, using these tools yeah. to work through that. Um, I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but what what is it that you're doing? If I hit your website, what are... What are you offering? What are you engaging in the world with? This is not on my website, but it is um, one of the most profound things that I do right now. So I work at the Head Injury Society here in Campbell River. Mm. And I was very afraid to even reach out and to work with people that have suffered stroke and brain injury um, while I was healing still. And I got over that and I volunteered for a while. And after so many months of volunteering, they actually made it into a paid position. So it is one thing that lights me up so much is to share a little bit of my story with people that have suffered stroke or brain injury. And every time I do, every human in that room has lived through what I'm sharing, has experienced Mm. it just in their own bodies. And I think that is one of the most important things in this life is that we are able to share our stories, but we're also able to share our stories in in community and groups of people that have lived through that same experience. Mm. Yeah. So that is one thing I do and that, but that's in person. Um, obviously with COVID, we went um, online yeah. Zoom. Yeah. My, everything shifted as well with COVID. And um, yeah, 
I would say primarily what I do now is um, yoga therapy and Ayurveda. My, my yoga teaching was a lot more intense before. And um, it definitely shifted with my brain injury because I couldn't come into that intense practice anymore. Mm. So I had a lot of injuries in my body too. So I, I started getting into um, myofascial release and tensegrity and more like so. Oh, so you didn't connect with Trish at all. My podcast with Trish. Did I? I'm, um, she, well, I'm, I was going to say this is, this is her whole world is uh, fascia. And- I think I did. I think I listened yeah. to that one. That was yeah, a while she, ago, right? Um, yeah, well, I think she was actually my very first podcast, first or second. And um, she uh, this is she was my anchor through healing too and understanding yeah. how much the body holds these things and how to work yeah. through it. So yeah. Anyway, our, you, you our say issues her words. are in our tissues. I say that oh. all the time. Oh, there you go. Oh, <laughs> Trisha's gonna love you. She's gonna listen to this and go, Oh, I need to meet her. So for me, like I use all these different modalities and I started studying Ayurveda, which was, it's a sister science to yoga. And I, I love it. It's the science of life, the art of living. So it like has really helped me connect with what imbalances are going on in my life and then how, what opposite I can bring in to balance it. And that is tensegrity. That is our body. That is everything. So it's not about fixing. It's like, okay, there's an imbalance. What can I invite in to find harmony, to find balance? Mm. So yeah, I I work privately one-on-one with people um, as well as I do series and groups. And then I teach um, Ayurvedic cleansing and detoxing because that is also something that really helped my mind and my body was through food and my gut health because it was not good and it was not healthy when I was going through my brain injury. And in Ayurveda, they talk about the seven layers of tissues. And so when you think of it in that aspect, my body was needing to heal my brain. So, so many other layers weren't being healed. Hmm. So when it was healing my brain, I noticed all these other things coming up which is really interesting. So I had to go into other areas and avenues to start to heal different parts of myself. Yeah, so if you check out my website, you'll see that I primarily do um, series. So I offer series throughout the year. I love teaching women about pelvic health and pelvic floor because I lost all connection into that area of my body. And reconnecting to that, my womb space in that area was very, very healing for me. Mm. And I also teach tensegrity, biotensegrity. So working with our fascial system, incorporating yoga. And I love teaching um, yoga for persistent pain. So helping people that have experienced um, injury or trauma or have persistent pain in their body. And even if you have persistent pain in your body, it may not even be from an injury. So just really like sitting and acknowledging and honoring people with mm. whatever is going on in their body. When I love teaching, it's, it's, I made it up, it's called yin fusion. So it's a combination of yin yoga with a little bit of like ball rolling, myofascial release, a little bit of biotensegrity, a little bit of somatics. It's kind of like all together. So that's, 
something I love teaching. And then I do um, a chakra series. So we go through all seven of the chakras, which has, again, that's another layer of my healing. And that has been so pivotal, pivotal, getting into the energy work. That's why, that's why I did my Reiki training. So I also have my, my level two Reiki. And describe to me what Reiki is. I It's kind of a buzzword in life coaching mm-hmm. right now. So I'm hearing it, a lot of coaches um, getting a certification in it and training in it. Um, chakra is a new word for me. Surprisingly, after all these years, I'm kind of hearing this for the first time. And um, can you describe to me what Reiki is? Yeah. Uh, for me, it could be anything. It's not a word that I have a lot of reference for. Yeah, and I'll just, I'll, I'll say it super um, simple. So for me, Reiki is energy. Everything is energy, actually. Even mm-hmm. our chakra systems are energy. So um, Reiki is a form of using the energy that is within you, as well as the energy around the world and in the person. So you're just putting hands on someone's body. And you work with the chakras. So you work into all those seven energy layers. And you can also feel energy moving through that person's body. So your hands can move around. And if, if you've never explored it, I would recommend it to everyone. Go and see how it is for you, especially if you're on a healing journey. I've had a few sessions done to me and they were um, profound. Mm. Yeah. Some people can come and all of a sudden they have less pain or you're unblocking an energy channel. So they feel more connected or alive or balanced. Yeah. You can, and I do it on myself. So I Reiki my, Mm. also Reiki my food before I feed it to my family. So I'm sending like positive energy into the food. And that is energy that we are ingesting in our bodies. I Reiki my animals too. Yeah. And you can send it distance. So when during COVID, I was sending distant Reiki to people in need, especially when India was going through that and yeah. states with the Black Lives, like just so many, yeah. Or if a friend asks, I'll send it to them. Well, one thing that I am becoming more and more attuned to in uh, there's physical healing, there's emotional healing, there's spiritual healing, there's, I mean, yeah, we're just such a yeah. complex being, right? And one of the things that I'm that I'm very aware of now is where is my energy going? Mm-hmm. Is that where I want it to be? Is that where I want to spend it? Almost a bit of a commodity. Like <laughs> I do I want to cash out my energy in this? You know, is that really what I want to be doing? And um and some of that is is taking some of that energy and holding it for myself, you know, where I deplete so much. Um, So this is a very fascinating um, thing for me, something I want to dive into a lot more. um, Because you can uh, make it yourself to balance your energy. uh, hmm. Yeah. And same with even working with your chakras, right? If you're noticing that your um, a certain area is a little bit imbalanced, you can focus on that particular chakra, right? When I was healing my sacral chakra, I was chanting, I was eating more orange food, I was being in water, I was connecting with all of the elements of that chakra. 
Hmm. dancing, moving, exploring. Yeah. This is just not something, I mean, I think there's avenues of um, cultural environment for this, but it's not necessarily how we were, um, how we are wired as a society. When you talked about this masculine and feminine um, energy, um, how much as women we are, we adapt to the masculine energy to find our place in life and in this world and and yet always finding this tug and pull back to that feminine energy um I think men experience that too I think they they are being given more um permission to pull out of all of that masculine energy and pull in that feminine energy but it's definitely not the way our society is is just naturally wired. Yeah. So it takes work. I think it takes a guide. It takes someone to show us the way, to show us a different way of doing what we've always done, right? Or a different way of being. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. And yeah, it it's so important because it doesn't matter if you identify as masculine or feminine. Every one of us has a right side, a masculine side, a left side, a feminine side. If you are human, you have masculine and feminine, and we need to balance that, right? The moon and the sun. How can we move through life with balance? We need to rest just as much as we need to do and be active. But you're right, our society puts more emphasis on all of the things we do and can attain rather than just resting and being. And it's, it's so important for all of us to also be in that space, to honor that space. Mm. And I feel like when I come, when I'm a more balanced version of myself, I actually am more focused with my doing and it's more intentional. Mm. Mm. Yeah. 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 (sighs) Okay. I, I like, I have a, a million different side topics I want to go on with you. Um, and my mind is actually kind of buzzing with, um, with questions and thoughts that will probably get us off your story. So much. <laughs> um, but I do want people to be able to connect with you. Mm-hmm. And um, so I'm going to put information um, about your website and how to connect with you um, in the show notes. Um, and you're open to people reaching out to you, correct? 100%. Yeah. I also, I'm on Instagram. I post lots of like free videos on there. I have my own Facebook group that I do free lives. And I, I also do, um, moon workshops and moon wisdom too. So yeah, I offer lots of free stuff and then I offer paid stuff too. Awesome. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Well, um, I, I am so grateful that you would share your story. I know there's so much more to your story. <laughs> it's just so hard to contain into one um, podcast episode, I know. Um, but I think that the things that you shared are very um, uh, very easy to connect with because I think many of us have felt things in some way, shape, or form to, um, to what you're feeling, uh, what you have um, shared, everything from burnout to 
to injury, to uh, illness, all of those things and everything in between. Um, so I'm incredibly grateful that you allowed your story to be shared here. And um, I, I am also really grateful that the stories of other women have, um, have been part of your healing and your life and, um, and your way to connect with other humans too. Um, so thank you for DMing me, DMing me. <laughs> that sounded really bad. Um, because it was, it was life giving to me to one, to have feedback, but also, um, to just connect with someone who's doing, uh, the healing work, um, as well. Um, so yeah, I hate to do this, but it's time for us to go. Yeah. Um, like I said, I have so many things I'd love to talk to you about. Um, well, you can all go DM me. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, I will be, um, because you also put some things in your description, um, you know, in the information that I asked for about, you know, just who you are and stuff. Oh yeah. That I we didn't even get into like moon goddess and yeah. kitchen witch and <laughs> there were just some beautiful words in there that I wanted to tap into so we might just have to do another episode at some point and uh, talk chakras or something and Ayurveda. I don't know yeah That's yeah so yeah <laughs> yeah so okay well for today thank you thank you for sharing your story and I am excited to have other women hear from you and be inspired by you awesome Thank you so much, Jessica. It has been such a pleasure and I feel very blessed and grateful to be here and to be able to share my story. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for listening and may you keep connecting all the beautiful parts of you.